Hello and welcome to Storehouse 7 Ministries. Uh, I'm Chris Wickland and today we're carrying on with our series on Revelation and today we're starting on chapter 14, part 1. I'm sorry it's t- had a little break, um, but I've been in Israel for about a week and then my wife, when I come back, took me away for like a, a little surprise birthday party because I'm now the big 5-0 in the year of our Lord, 2022. So um, yeah, so hence the the, the, uh, the delay on, on the Revelation series, but I'm back now, so you should be getting your usual um, episode each week. So today we're looking at chapter 14, uh, part one. And let's start with verse one. And it says, Then I looked and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. Now, Verses 1 to 5 here in Revelation 14 talks about the infamous or the notorious 144,000 Jewish men who are radically set apart for Jesus and his father. This is the second mention of the 144,000 Jewish men. Um, The the first mention is back in Revelation chapter 7 verses 4 to 8. Now, there is often a lot of speculation about these people, the 144,000. One of the common uh, conceptions or ideas is that they are key Jewish evangelists who go out spreading the gospel to the Jews and maybe even the nations during the tribulation period. The problem, of course, with this assumption is that there is no evidence to link the 144,000 to being evangelists. Now, there are some Old Testament prophecies... (coughs) which you could potentially link to the 144,000, but there is no actual link. So who and what are they? And importantly for context, where are they? This is a really important question because knowing where they are will actually help us figure out what's going on here. Well, the text says they are with Jesus on Mount Zion. Yet scripture doesn't put the return of Jesus uh, which is back. So yeah, so scripture doesn't put the, the return of Jesus to Mount Zion, but he puts the return of Jesus to the Mount of Olives. And that doesn't happen until Revelation 19.11. Now we know from Old Testament prophecy that Jesus will rule and reign from Mount Zion. But when he returns, he doesn't actually return to Mount Zion. He returns to the mountain of Mount of Olives. And that doesn't happen until Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Now, we know from Old Testament prophecies that that Jesus will rule from Mount Zion during the millennial reign of Christ. So what is going on here? Well, the answer is simple. The 144,000 and Jesus are not upon the earth at all. Just just bear with me before you fly off the handle for something like what? Where are you getting that from? Because they're in heaven at the heavenly Mount Zion. Now, let me break this down for you. Verses one to three of Revelation 14 to actually prove my point to you. So firstly... The question we need to ask is, is there a Mount Zion in heaven? Yes, Hebrews 12, 22 tells us so. It says this, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to myriads of angels. Okay. Moving on to Revelation 14, verse three, and it says, and they, that's the 144,000, sang a new song. (coughs) Where are they singing it? Before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. This verse is absolutely implicit. 
The 144,000 are in heaven, in the most holy place, and are worshipping before the throne of God, before the four creatures by the throne. They're the ones that cry out, holy, holy, holy all the time. See Revelation 4, 8. And before the 24 elders. The text says that they've also been purchased from the earth, i.e. they're no longer on the earth. Now, this seems very clear that these 144,000 are a first fruits offering of the Jewish people who will be saved during the tribulation and when Jesus appears. <coughs> and yes, like Enoch, it does appear that they have been taken from the earth or raptured to heaven. Now, where am I getting this from? Well, from the end of verse 3, which simply states they were purchased from the earth. Revelation 14, verse 4. These are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from among men as first fruits to God and to the Lamb. <clears throat> now, the phrase, these are the ones who have not been defiled by women, does not denote that marital sex with a woman defiles us, or defiles men, sorry. It is referring to fornication, that is, heterosexual sex outside of the context of marriage. In other words, they have been sexually pure and remain chaste for the Lord their God. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And it, it, that, that quote there from Revelation, it seems that they have a special dispensation to follow Jesus in heaven. In Revelation 14, 3, they are with Jesus in the presence of the throne, i.e. the Father, the four living creatures and the 24 elders. They are also called a firstfruits to God, the Father and the Lamb, who is the Son. So the term firstfruits is a Jewish term from the Torah, the law, i.e. the first five books of the Bible, Genesis to Deuteronomy. It says in Leviticus 23, 10, when you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Jesus himself rose from the dead on the feast day of first fruits. He was the firstborn from the dead of the new creation. He is the second Adam and all who become Christians become just like him as sons and daughters of God. For more on that, see Colossians 1.18, 2 Corinthians 5.17, 1 Corinthians 15.22 and verse 45. So these 144,000 are all Jewish and are first fruits of the greater harvest to come when all the remnant of Israel shall be saved. Now, there are some that state that um, the Jews are married to the Father and the Christians to Jesus. Now, I don't think this could be true because of several reasons. Firstly, it disregards the one new man theology in Christ. Secondly, it disregards the teachings and revelation that comes from the Jewish wedding, which Jesus used in his teachings, i.e. the Father gives the bride to the Son. Thirdly, it disregards scripture where Jesus took captivity captive and how they were not permitted into heaven before us. You can see Ephesians 4, 7 to 10 on that. Uh, where am I? And then fourthly, if the Jews before Christ and during the tribulation are married to the Father, what happens to all the Jews who were saved during Jesus's ministry <coughs> then and now? Clearly by that interpretation, those Jews are not married to the Father. And if they are, then that breaks all the New Testament teachings on the nature of the church, the one new man and the teachings pertaining to the body of Christ. What about the Jews who reject Jesus, some may say? 
Does this mean that there are now two tiers of salvation? So those that reject him, they're the ones that get married to the father because of just being Jewish. Well, when one goes down the road of a pre-trib rapture, one has to come up with some, not not all Christians, but some people come up with some pretty mind-bending and sometimes scriptural twisting to make the narrative work. We must be very careful that we are always being faithful to scripture. So firstly, you know, Paul makes it very clear that there is no salvation for anybody outside of Christ. And he says in Romans, salvation comes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. But then he also says judgment also comes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. If you're if you're Jewish and you don't if there's if people are Jewish and they don't believe in Jesus, well then they're just as much in trouble as a Gentile is. Okay, that there is no second tier of salvation. Uh, and so so I'm trying to answer the question of of this idea that Israel is married to the father, but the Christians are married to the son. Because unfortunately, that doesn't really work for, for part of the reasons that I've already mentioned. Remember, we can only also marry according to our own kind. God the Father has no discernible fleshly body, for he is spirit. I haven't got time to go into that. You could do a Bible study on that and you'll see that that's true. Jesus came in the flesh to enable us to become like him after his resurrection so that we become just like him so that the church becomes the eve of the second Adam. The church comprises of Jew and Gentile. There are not two wedding feasts. There are not two churches. There is only one church, which is the bride of Christ and is the body of Christ. Also denoting pre-Christ and post-trib Jews being married to the father places them into the super ranking category over Christ and his church. Again, this is nonsensical and non-scriptural. Yes, Jews are to be highly favoured. Yes, we should love, honour and respect them for salvation comes from the Jewish people. But in Christ Jesus, we are all brothers and sisters together. And I do believe that during the millennial reign, we will see actually the Jewish people who are not immortal ruling the world. And this has to be because God promised it to them. Their king will be Jesus who will rule and reign from Zion. However, scripture is also clear that the saints that are resurrected at the return of Christ will also rule and reign as a kingdom of priests alongside them and with them. There are no first, second and third class believers in heaven. We are all one body, both the Jewish people and the church, and we have an important destiny to fulfill. But in Christ, we are one. (coughs) Excuse me. So just to conclude today's lesson. So in conclusion... The 144,000 are not of the earth or on the earth in Revelation 14. They are in heaven following Jesus and being allowed access before the Father, the 24 elders and the four living creatures. And so as we turn to uh, verses 6 to 13 uh, in next week's session, or certainly from verses 6 onward, the scene now changes to the heavenly dispatch of angels as God is preparing to bring the age of man to a close. Well, there you go. There's plenty for you to get your teeth into. I'm sure I've said some things that may be offensive. Some I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm trying to make us think through things logically and theologically. Um, and, and again, there's a, there, I'm not trying to have a go at 
pre-tribulationists because actually I've got some friends that are pre-tribbers and they are wonderful men and women of God and they really know their Bible well and I have a lot of respect for them. I'm not having a go at anybody, but I'm just trying to say that, you know, sometimes we come up with peculiar ideas and theologies to try and make things fit. Uh, and so the idea may be that the 144,000 are Jewish converts that go around the world preaching the gospel is not in the text at all. They're not really even on the earth. They're in heaven. And the idea that maybe Israel is married to the father, but the Christians to Jesus just doesn't make any sense, seeing as the first 12 disciples were Jewish. Okay, anyway, that will do for today. God bless you. Can't wait to speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. See you soon.